see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it may be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought with it for it with tears. We see that he, the Hebrew writer starts out with, without there is no peace, peace is an important thing in your life. We need to make every effort to live in peace. I think the new, the NIV says, make every effort to live in peace and be holy, for without that, no one will see God. He's not, he is talking to born-again believers here, and he's saying there is a peace that you have to have, that if you have this peace, then you will be able to enter into the kingdom, you will be able to see the works of God in your life, and you have to have peace. I, I want to survey, how many of you remember seeing the video that we, sh- that we, sh- we, um, sh- we, we showed Oh, I don't know how many years ago with Reinhard Bonnke and the man that was raised from the dead. Does anybody remember that? We've got three or four. I may have to get that video back out. In this video, true story, that, that this gentleman had died. He was a pastor, and, um, and he had died, and Reinhard Bonnke was having a ministry in Africa, and he was actually dead and embalmed. And they took him to Reinhard Bonnke, and the meeting was over, and they brought him underneath the, the, uh, the, the amphitheater that he was in, and the, the preaching was done. They were finishing up, and he actually was raised from the dead. He had spent time with Jesus. He had gone to heaven. He had this white pad. He had written down things that he had had, had when he was with the Lord. The Lord was talking to him, and he was writing down things. And when he immediately came to, he said, where's my pad? And he didn't have the pad. They took him around, showed him to all the people in the, in the, in the city that he was with, the tribe that he was with, and they couldn't believe their eyes because this man had been dead. Embalming fluid was even coming out of his legs. They had pictures of that. He had been to the morgue where he was put in the morgue on a slab, and they took him from that to the, to the meeting at Reinhard Bonnke. And one of the things in that was he and his wife started to get into an argument. And he said, no, no. And he went into the bathroom and closed the door and waited for that argument to subside. At that time, I began to think, why? That was really strange. He made every effort to live in peace. So peace has to be an important thing in our lives. In fact, peace has to be so important that without it... Without pursuing after that peace and that holiness, that sanctification, the Word says we won't see God. I want to be able to enter into the kingdom of God and for us to be able to walk and do the things that God wants us to do and operate in the kingdom of God, we are going to have peace. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better get some peace. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you better get some peace. We've got to be able to have peace. And look what it says in verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no bitter root springs up, causes trouble, and by it you may be defiled. 
Now, what happens to a plant when you cut it off? Most of the time, if it's got a root system, it's going to continue to live, isn't it? You may cut it off at ground level, and then what happens to that root? That root begins to go, and it begins to take water. It begins to germinate if it's a seed, and all of a sudden, it'll start growing again. Are you with me? It'll start growing. So he says we need to look at the root because we can have what's called a bitter root judgment. You can allow, you can allow some things in your life to become bitter. We can allow conversations that we've had with, with each other. We can allow conversations that we've had as spouses to be, to grow what's called a bitter root or a bitter root judgment. We pass judgment on the person. We say, you know what? Stephen's not taking care of you like he should. He's not taking out the trash like he should. He should be making more money. He should be, are you, are you with me? Getting into different things. And what we've done is we've said, Lord, forgive me. And all we've done is cut the top of the plant off. We've not rooted it up. Hello? And what happens is that root is still there. We look at it, no longer have the trouble because, you know, he apologized, said he was sorry, wouldn't do it again. She said she would never do it again. Everything's good. But what we've done is cut it off at ground level, and we've not, we've not done anything with the root. Do you understand that? That root is still there. And if that root is still there, it, it, it begins to receive water. It begins to receive nutrition from the soil. It is going to begin to grow up. So he says this root of bitterness springing up. And what's it do according to the word of God? It causes trouble. Here it comes again. I thought we had dealt with this. I thought there was forgiveness there. I thought I had released forgiveness. Now all of a sudden, it's coming back again. And I want to talk a little bit about this forgiveness issue tonight. So turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Forgiveness is a very, very, very important thing. We need to be able to make sure that we're operating in forgiveness and that not only do we just cut the plant off, but we uproot it. We have got to uproot that thing and know that there has been forgiveness that has been released. Mark chapter 11. I may have that for you up there. I don't. Okay. Chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven will forgive you of your trespasses or transgressions. But if you do not forgive, here's what it says, neither your Father in heaven will forgive you of your transgressions. That is a very serious scripture. How important is forgiveness? Very important. That he says that if you've got anything, and, and, and Jesus talked about that. If you have ought against a man and you go to take your offering to the Lord and you're sideways with your brother, in fact, leave your offering right there, go to that person, get it right, come back and give your offering. Are you with me? It's very important that we understand what forgiveness is and how it can begin to take hold of us. There's three steps that I want to give you tonight. Three, just because this is what we've come up with, but I want you to see these, and we're going to talk about them real quick. There's three steps for forgiveness, so write these down. Number one, no one can forgive successfully without until they learn, excuse me, until they learn how to hate intelligently. We're not supposed to hate anyone. I'm telling you, it is biblical to hate. It's in the Word. I'll show it to you tonight. We need to hate what God hates because God hates some things. 
He does. We'll look at it in the Word of God tonight. But see, a lot of us can't release forgiveness because we can't really hate. We don't stop doing some things, and we transgress our covenant like uh, uh, Dr. Jerry was talking about. We transgress that covenant. We actually stretch that covenant. We breach that covenant because we're not willing to understand that I need to hate some things in my life. If it's keeping you from your plan, your purpose, and your destiny, you better start hating that thing. Come on, somebody. I'm going to give you an example. I remember many years ago, some of you might be here. If you are, I'm not picking on you. I'm just releasing the Word of God and let the Spirit of God teach you. I remember that I, I, I tried to quit smoking. How many of you have quit smoke? Well, may I won't ask you that. Many of us have quit smoking time and time and time again. Can I get an amen? Okay. We've done it. And they said, you've quit? Yeah, I quit until next time. I remember one time I had quit smoking. I just quit buying. I just started bumming. Come on, somebody. Anybody been through that phase? I mean, you know, it was like, hey, man, why don't you go get your own cigarettes, you know? You keep bumming mine. But what I had to do is I had to begin to start understanding there are certain things that God loves and there are certain things that he hates. And I want you to know that God loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Tell them, God loves you. I had to realize in order for me, listen, to stop smoking, I had to start hating it. Hello? I had to not go to the break room where everybody else was smoking. I had to bypass the guys that were standing outside, huddled together, smoking. I had to bypass them. I had to change who I hung out with. Come on, somebody. I had to begin to hate those things that were beginning to come against me and come against my plan and my purpose and my destiny. Amen? So we begin to look at that, whether whatever it is that's holding you back. We need to understand that we really cannot forgive successfully. How many of you have forgiven some things, but then all of a sudden it's come back around again? Anybody want to be honest? And you're thinking, man, here we go again. I thought I was over that. Well, maybe we haven't gotten to the point where we, we have learned how to hate intelligently. So let me give you some scriptures. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. And I want us to look at verses 14 and 15. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And I do. If, if you've come tonight without your Bible, please bring it. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. If we need to, if we need to we'll even mark it up for you. We'll, we'll underline some things. Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. And let's just understand. This is in the Garden of Eden. We know that this was the fall of man. We know that the enemy has already duped Adam and Eve and the serpent. And, and here's God addressing the serpent in verse 14. In verse 14, he says, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you will go. And dust you will eat all the days of your life. How many of you know God was not happy at this point? Right? He was not real thrilled about what was taking place. And how many of you know when we violate the covenant, there are consequences to our actions? Hello? And these were consequences to the actions of what had taken place. 
and he says, you're going to crawl on your belly, and you're going to eat the dirt of the ground. Look at verse 15. And I will put enmity. Does anybody know what enmity means? It literally means hostility, hatred. If you'll look it up, that's what it means. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. How many of you know women are rising? Hello? And all the women said, amen. The enemy does not like you because you have the power to crush his heel as well as we do. Come on. See, so he says, I am going to put enmity, hatred, hostility between you and between the woman, between your seed and between her seed. And he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on his heel. Now, let me give you some scriptures because let's look. I want to talk a little bit about hatred. I know we get in church and we talk about love, don't we? We talk about love, love, God loves you. But we're talking about, hey, you can see in this scripture that God made it to where the enemy hates women. He also hates men, too. I don't want you guys to think that you got it, you're up here because he does not like you. Anything set up in the kingdom of darkness, he does not like you. He's not wanting you to succeed. He's not wanting you to move forward. He's not wanting you to break out of bondage. He's not wanting you to, to break out of debt. He's not wanting you to have a relationship the way God wants you to have with your spouse. He's not wanting anything of that for you. He wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. He wants wants to cause havoc. He wants to bring forth death. He wants to bring forth destruction in your life. Amen. That's what he wants to do. So let's look at this. David said this in Psalms. I think I've got that on the next slide, please. Psalms chapter five, verse five. You can write these down if you will. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. Hmm. You see that? David also said in Psalms 26, 5, I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Now, wasn't David a man after everybody? God's own heart. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. He committed murder. He committed adultery. Come on, somebody. But yet he was quick to repent, enter back into the kingdom, and he says, you know what? I, he is a man after God's own heart. And David himself says, he says, I hate all who do iniquity. I, I don't even want to sit with the wicked. Let me give you some more scriptures. Psalms 97.10 says, hate evil, you who love the Lord. Do you love God? And what's he say to do with evil? What's he say? Everybody. God is giving you permission to hate evil. See, there is something within us. How many of you know there, you've heard it said, there's a fine line between love and hate. God has placed something in us, and the Bible tells us that if we're made in his image and in his likeness, that I am and it's okay for me to hate evil. That was weak. It is okay for me to hate evil. I, I don't like it. I don't like it around me. I don't like the enemy, what he's doing to my family. I don't like what he's doing to your family. I don't like what he's doing to society. I don't like the things that are taking place. I just, dirty dog, hate him. I hate him. Psalms 139, we're real good to 
to, to quote Psalms 139. It says, I do not hate, or it says, I do not hate, do I not hate those who you hate? In Psalms 139, in fact, let's turn there. Let's look at verse, I want to look at verses 21 through 24. The Bible says, I hate them with the utmost hatred. Psalms 139, let's look at verse 21. If you can pull it up, great. If you can't, don't worry about it. Do I not hate those that hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any way in me. Lead me in the way of the everlasting way. We can see that he just flat hates evil. God hates evil. I'm telling you, the kingdom of dark is not for you. It is against you. Amos 5.15 basically says, hate evil and love good. Say that. Hate evil and love good. So you got permission to hate evil and you got permission to love good, to love good. Malachi 2.16, God says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. Matthew 6.24 says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will look, hate the one, or he'll love the other, and be devoted to one, and despise the other, and you cannot serve God and mammon. Every negative thing is planned by the devil. How many of you believe that you have a guardian angel? I got news for you. You also have a devil that follows you. And he's setting up situations. He's setting up circumstances for, for things to be planned out in your day, interjecting thoughts in your mind, negative thoughts about your spouse, about your children, about your country, about your boss, about those that you work with, about your pastor. Come on, somebody. He's, he's, he's setting ways up, situations for you to try to fail, situations for you to try to side with the accuser of the brethren. That's what he is. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. There is no good thing in him. He's trying to set you up to take you down. That's right. He wants you to fail. He's setting you up to fail. And he's trying to talk in your ear. You know, I remember years ago there was a, who was it, Flip Wilson, and the devil made me do it. You know what I mean? It's like the angel on one side and the devil on another. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. And, and we can listen to the accuser of the brethren, and we can join in with him. See, we need to hate demons. We need to hate sin. Come on, somebody. We need to hate destruction. We need to hate bondage. We need to hate, listen, rebellion. We need to hate addictions. We need to hate poverty. We need to hate these curses that come upon the land. Like we need to hate confusion. We need to hate lying. We need to hate all these things that the enemy's trying to bring upon us. And in society, we need to stand up and say, hey, I don't like that. That's not good. And I'm going to take my dominion and say, I am not going to be that way. If we're going to really understand forgiveness and forgiving others, we're going to have to understand that we need to hate what God hates and love what God loves. God wants us to be transformed 
in the image and the likeness of God, doesn't he? He wants us to operate in the kingdom principles. And in order for us to do that, it's easy for me to look at Kelly and say, I hate what the enemy's doing to her. But I need to start looking at myself and saying, what's he trying to do to me? He's trying to bring destruction in your life. You can blame it on a lot of different things, but I'm telling you, he's setting up situations and circumstances to bring you down. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I want to, is it okay if we just look in the Bible? I mean, we did come to church tonight. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. And this letter that Paul had written was to the church at Rome, and these were believers. And there were some issues in there about some people being given over by God for their lustful thoughts and the desires of their own hearts. Um, let's look at... Hmm. Let's look at verse 24, Romans 1, 24. Therefore, God gave them over in lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and they served the creator or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions of their women exchanged natural functions for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also men abandoned natural functions of the women and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving their own persons and due penalty for their error. I'm telling you, sin has consequences. And just as they did not see it fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with, look at this, all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, excuse me, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful inventors of evil. Has he covered every area yet? <laughs> oh, man. Nope. Let's look at some more. Disobedient to parents without understanding untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Look what it says in verse 32. Although they knew the ordinance of God, they knew what to do. They knew what was right. They knew what they were supposed to do. They knew the ordinances or the laws that were set forth or the principles that were set forth in the word of God. Are you with me? Come on. They, they had heard it orally. It was given to them. But it says that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They knew that it would lead to a spiritual death as well as a physical death. What else does it say? They not only do the same, but they also give a hearty approval of those who also practice it. In other words... They just go along with society. 
Everybody's gay. Everybody's doing it. Society's promoting it. That's in that scripture. Everybody's gossiping. Hey, I got something for you. I got a bag of weed. Do you want it? (gasps) No. Get out of here. In the name of Jesus, get back. But how do we treat this? Did you hear what pastors did last week? I got something that the pastors did. I saw them here and I saw them there. I saw somebody coming out of the alcohol deal over there. Did you see that? We don't say a word about that, do we? Somebody will peddle you dope and you'll say, no! But they'll peddle you gossip and you'll be reeled right in. And then you'll turn around and say, well, let me call so-and-so. This is a good, juicy morsel. And how many of you, you know, the thing about it is, why do we fall for the same thing again and again? How many of you, when you were in, listen to this, grade school, they got you in a line and they let one person whisper in one ear. Do you remember this? And they whispered in another ear and then another ear and then another ear. And what come out at the end? I mean, it was something so totally different. There is just no way that these things could happen, but yet we allow this to happen. Hello? You got your steel-toed boots on. If you really want to learn how to forgive, we really need to learn how to hate. And we need to begin to hate those things that God hates. We need to sit down and say, you know what? I'm just not going to let that happen in my life anymore. Because if we don't, then all we're doing is cutting off the root at the ground level or cutting off the plant at the ground level, and we're not uprooting it. And that's why it comes back again. Let me give you a second thing. Let me give you a second thing for forgiveness. If you really want to operate in forgiveness in 2008, cancel debt. Cancel debt. I'm not talking about your financial debt. Yeah, you need to do that anyway. But cancel what somebody owes you. You need to be very quick to cancel debt. And we talked about it in Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Wherever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you, your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your transgressions. We need to cancel debt. So what what am I talking about? And there's big things, but there's little things. Okay? There's little things. I may, I may do something for Shelly, and I may think she should tell me, thank you, and she doesn't. That can grow into a bitter root judgment. I can think, well, she, you know, I, wait, I, I washed the car. I got it cleaned up for the trip, and I did everything and vacuumed it, and, and, and I got it cleaned up, and I parked it in the garage and filled it up with gas, and I checked the oil, and we're getting ready to go on a trip, and at least she could do was say thank you. You with me? Hey, come on. We're just teaching the truth here. I need to cancel that debt. She doesn't even know she owes it to me. But yet I think in my mind or have heard the enemy inject thoughts in my head saying, she don't appreciate you. 
She's just using you. You're her just little car washer boy. That's what you are. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're just her little servant walking around behind her, sweeping up when she throws stuff down. Hey, look, we have all had those thoughts. You've had it. You know it. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Come on, tell me he's talking about you. You know, we've all had that. Hey, don't feel bad. You're not in, in the boat by yourself. You're in there with all of us. But we've got to be quick to cancel debts. <laughs> Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. He says, as those who have been chosen by God, that's you, chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and what? Forgiving each other. Say that. Forgiving each other. Say it again. Forgiving each other. One more time. Forgiving each other. He says, forgiving each other who has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also do the same. Lord has forgiven you, although there are things that you probably need to be asking the Lord for forgiveness for, but we haven't asked him yet. He's just waiting on you to ask him. He's not building it up, amen? He's ready to release it when you are. So a lot of times, if we're gonna, if we're gonna enter into the kingdom of God and operate into the kingdom of God in peace, you need to cancel debts. I want to encourage who it is, what it is, because the enemy's a liar. He is a dirty dog liar. He'll whisper in your ear and he'll tell you he don't appreciate you. You can walk in here and the pastor didn't talk to you. He don't like you no more. I've heard that before. I've walked in and, and saw somebody, and they walked by me, and I've heard the enemy go, they don't like you. And I cannot let that come in. I've got to cancel that debt. I think, well, they, they probably owe me an apology. They walked right by me, Christino, and didn't even say a word to me. You know, shook Christino's hand, but it didn't say anything to anybody else. He likes Christino better than he likes me. You, you've heard, we've all heard that. Let's be serious. It's the same way in the marriage relationship. It's the same way. You know, we can all of a sudden, he didn't do this. He should have done that. She should have done this. He should have done that. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all are laughing and smiling because it's hitting home. It's exploding. You've got to cancel that. So now, you know, if I, if I got the car gassed up and I've done it and I'm expecting Shelly to say, honey, thank you, I really appreciated that, it's wonderful, you're an absolutely wonderful, fine, fantastic man of God and you're an awesome gas pumper and you're all this other stuff just to build my ego up and if it doesn't happen, I just need to cancel that debt. She doesn't even know she owes it to me, but I need to go, I just, Lord, forgive me for feeling that way that I needed to have that. So we begin to cancel debt. Let's look at this. Debt, the little word debt, the meaning of the word debt is just literally something you owe. Something that you think is owed to you. It's something that somebody thinks that you think they owe you something. Let's let them off the hook. How many of you ever fished, caught a fish and threw it back? Now you could have killed that fish. You could have. It might have been too small to throw back. And some of you all might have looked at it and just said, look, this is so pretty. It's about a 17-incher. I'm just going to throw it back and catch it next week. It'll be 22 inches. 
you put it back in the water. We need to do the same thing if we're going to really experience kingdom living and kingdom forgiveness and release forgiveness. Release that debt. Your mother, your father may not have told you how much, how proud they are of you. Release that debt. Let it go. Cancel that thing. Put it in the hands of God. You might have lived with an aunt and an uncle, grew up with a grandparent, and they never said anything good about you. You need to cancel that debt. Let it go. You need to release that. What that does is it doesn't cut it off at ground level. It roots it up, and it won't grow back. So so the second thing we need to do is cancel debt. Say cancel debt. I think about um, the prayer when Jesus said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or debts as we forgive our debtors. Release the debt. Turn to your neighbor and say, release the debt. We need to release the debt. The last one, real quick. I won't won't keep you much longer. The last one, real quick. We need to learn to agree what the Lord believes or what the Lord says about the person instead of what the devil says about them. Did you know that the Bible tells you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? You need to start seeing the other person, whoever this is, the way God sees them. And you know what? God is not looking at your faults. Because I'm telling you, if, if that was a prerequisite of God to wipe me out, I'd have been long gone. He's not looking at your faults. He's looking at the plan and the purpose and the destiny that is inside each and every one of us. And he's saying, hey, I got a plan for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future, not to harm you. You know, the Bible tells me that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. The Bible tells me that the old has passed away and the new has come. I am a new creature, a new species of being. The Bible tells me I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me. The Bible tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and we need to start seeing that person with that plan and that purpose and that destiny. We need to begin to start seeing them, listen, as sons of God, as children of God, no matter what stage they're at, to say, hey, they're a son of the Most High God. That's my brother. That's my sister. In fact, stop seeing their faults, but saying, hey, I'm going to come and help you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to stay in the gap. I'm going to stand in the wall. I'm going to fight with a trowel in one hand and a shotgun in the other and say, hey, there is no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you will be shown to be in the wrong because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And that's you that he's talking about. Amen. So we got to start covering one another. We can't fall into to 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 pointing out other sins. When two people meet, here's what will happen. You will take sides, number one, with the accuser of the brethren, or number two, with the great intercessor. One of those two things will happen. And we have got, if we're going to operate in kingdom forgiveness, we're going to have to start looking at that person and say, you know what? 
Ricky Rodriguez may not be everything that God has designed him to be. But I know that if he keeps moving forward in the things of God, I know that if he keeps walking forward in the kingdom of God, I know that if he's quick to repent, if he's willing to hate the things that God hates, and he's willing to release debt, cancel those debt things, and begin to start looking at him the way God sees him, and you start looking at your spouse the way God sees them, a godly man or a godly woman willing to forgive, willing to to, to repent, willing to move forward in the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, things will break off and we will enter into the kingdom of God and you'll walk in victory time after time again. Amen. I'm telling you, that's good. That's where we've got to do. So I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited about saying, how do I really deal with forgiveness? I've got to cancel some debts. I've got to let some things go. And then I've got to begin to start seeing you the way God sees you. I got to see you with a plan, see you with a purpose, see you with a destiny. Titus, last scripture, Titus 2.12. Do I have that? It says, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensible and righteously and godly in this present age. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Come on, tell him. He's talking about you. I mean, you might have just messed up last night, today, at lunch, but he's talking about you today when you're willing to walk and receive the forgiveness as you walk in the kingdom of God. Amen? 1 John 2.20 says this. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Turn to your name and say, you're anointed. You got an anointing. That's what it says. Look it up for yourself. You have an anointing for the Holy One. And you might have to look at your spouse in the midst of a mess and say, you know what? You got an anointing from the Holy One. (laughs) And it's not an anointing to argue. It's not an anointing, come on, to get the last word. It's not an anointing of that. But you know the anointing is for them to be that man, be that woman of God, be that child of God, and walk and fulfill the destiny that God has in your life. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. We're going to operate in this forgiveness thing. We're going to be quick to repent. Man, and that's the thing about David. He was quick to repent. The man committed murder. He committed adultery. Obviously, God got over it. Do you know that Bathsheba is in the line of Jesus? So don't tell me that God can't use you no matter what you've been through. You might have committed murder. You might have had an abortion. You might have killed somebody, maybe not physically, but with your words, you sliced and diced them and walked away, and then somebody tattooed you and said it was Ronco. You just kind of sliced and diced them up, and you just made a mess of them, and you just destroyed them. There's many times we've done it with our mouth. You may not have done it physically, but we've done it with our mouth. But I'm here to tell you that we serve a God who is a forgiving God, and he wants you to release some forgiveness today so you can be forgiven in the areas that you are, and we can begin to start walking in the things that God loves, begin to hate what he hates, come in a line with the word of God and say, look, is this in my life? And it's in my life. 
life and God says, I don't like that, then you get in agreement with God and things can change. I'm telling you, you got to go through deliverance, go through deliverance. You got to do whatever it takes for you to do in order to get free of these things. And like I had to do, I had to look at it and hate it and say, I don't like it. I'm not going to be around it. I can be around somebody that smokes now. I can walk into a place that doesn't bother me because I still don't like it. I still hate it, but I have overcome. I have gone from one level of a son of a maturity in that area to another level, and I got it. Amen? No, I got it whooped. No, you don't understand me. You hear me? I got it whooped. It's not going to come back on me again. I'm going to continue in the things of God, and I'm going to continue to have victory. Amen? Somebody needs to shout, I'm having victory. Oh, somebody needs to tell somebody and say, I'm going to have some victory in my life. Somebody, somebody needs to tell them that I'm going to have some victory in my life because you are willing to forgive. So I'm going to challenge you. Here's the challenge. You know i got to give you a challenge. What are some things that you need to cancel debts? What are some things that you've got to let go? And you know what? Paul says we die daily. I die of myself. I die of my selfish, soulish nature. Because I'm telling you, tomorrow morning you're going to get up and the enemy's going to be whispering in your ear. You see that person just cut you off? Give them their IQ. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. You hear those thoughts? I hear them too. They come in, I'm like, are you crazy? I haven't told nobody their IQ in a long time. I'm not going to break my string. Huh? Something will happen to you tomorrow. You're going to hit your hand on a hammer or something. We'll see what comes out. Huh? And those are little things, but I'm telling you, those little things can grow up. They can be a root that has been cut off that will start to grow. And then all of a sudden, you look back a year, two years, three years, and that bitter root has now produced fruit. And we all see it. Are you with me? We all can see it. So I want us to understand, as we talk about the kingdom as we explore the kingdom, what it is and how it is and how we need to operate in the kingdom, that this is a principle that we've got to get a hold of and learn how to forgive. You guys, fixing to be married, you're going to have to learn this principle and you're going to have to use it over and over and over and over again. And I'm excited about getting it. And, man, I fail. And you know the wonderful thing about me when I fail? I try to dust myself off and get back up. I'm not going to lay down there too long. You can lay down there when you fall and rigor mortis set in. I'm telling you, it does. You're down there a long time, and, you, you know, it's like that commercial, I've fallen, I can't get up. And God wants you to stand up, and he wants you to come back home, the prodigal son, return to the household of the dad. And he said, you're no longer a servant. You're my son. As we enter in this kingdom, as we walk in this kingdom, as we advance the kingdom of God, forgiveness is a great, big, 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 big key. And we're going to get it and we're going to use it. Amen? Let's stand up on your feet tonight. I'm